What's up, everybody? This is Vito Presta. You're listening to Man's Greatest Adventure, episode number three. Today we have on my good friend Blake Williams, who is the owner of Battle Tested, uh, a company that goes around the Midwest running clinics for high school level and college level athletes, um, pushing them physically, mentally, and most importantly, morally. Uh, we talk about a lot of great stuff in this podcast. There's a ton of value in here. Um, I'm excited to to post this. I get super pumped in the podcast, so you're going to love it. Um, so sit back, relax, jump on a treadmill, whatever you got to do. Let's go. Perfect. Blake Williams. Yes. How's it going, man? I'm awesome. So you listened to Jason Amato's podcast. I did. What would you think? The first. It was awesome. Yeah. Uh, I love the conversational uh, aspect of it. Uh, like you said, it wasn't how he produced. It's just you know you and Jason having a conversation, yeah. which is pretty easy to do and pretty easy to listen to. So, looking forward to doing the same thing. Cool, cool. So, um, the last two times, I actually ended with a couple questions, hmm. which is, what is your definition of manliness, and what legacy are you working on leaving behind? Okay. But this time. I want to see what what it's like if we switch it up. Oh, we're going to start with that? We're going to start with that. Okay. So what is your definition of manliness? Good question. And I'm actually glad that I heard that podcast. I thought, how would I define that if he does ask me that question? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, to me, manliness, you know, we could probably have a, a whole podcast series on what that is, right? But uh, in my opinion, uh, every man's entitled to that. I, I feel like it's the ability of a man to be what he needs to be for those around him. So that might be, I'm, I'm in a family where I need to provide financially for my family. I, I need to step up and be that man. I need to have what it takes to be that man. I might be in a situation where I'm the, the stay-at-home father. I know a friend who's in that situation. He needs to step up and be a little bit different type of man, right? He's got to be the one who does the nurturing and caregiving for the kids as they grow up and gets them off to school and all those types of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's really, to me, I think, being what you need to be for those around you. What, what do they need from you? you know, what, do, uh, what does your wife need from you? What do your employees or your coworkers need for you to be? Hmm. And just stepping up, having the, you know, obviously that takes some courage. Uh, that takes some skills. Yeah. But do you have what it takes? And are you willing to step up and be the person that those around you really need you to be? Wow, so almost like uh, like a humble servant. Certainly could be that. Those Absolutely. around you. Absolutely. For me, it's very much about, you know, you know, my life here, I feel it's one to certainly serve people. And so I want to make sure those around me that are in my immediate circle, what am I doing to make sure that their life here on this earth is as satisfying and as gratifying as possible, that they, they get what they need and they uh, have a happy existence here, they love life and... You know, what can I do to help make that possible for him? Yeah. So Jason also sort of talked about, um, do I have what it takes? Mm. And also he mentioned stepping up. Yep. So, I mean, we're only three in, but that seems to be a theme. <laughs> you know, like just stepping up, doing what you're called to do in that moment for that time. It may not be forever to be that person, but we're put in situations where we do need to step up. Yes. Absolutely. And like you're saying, for some, I think for, I mean, in the, in the history of man, there's different periods of time, right? There's, let's say the cavemen, which was what provide food, right. go out, hunt, 
bring food back. And then it came to a time where I was like, okay, well, we have a plethora of food. Food is everywhere. Well, then it was the man brings home the money and he's right. the financial supporter. But now men and women earn, you know, fairly equally. There's a debate obviously over that, sure. but women are earning, you know, almost just as much where men are kind of transitioning to into well, what is it then that I do? What am I called to do? Because for the longest time it was, well, you, you provide financially. And now, like you're saying, you have a friend who provides at home. Yeah. And I've even had to do that myself because I was at a job where I was making very good money and my wife felt very secure. And then I felt this calling to leave that and to start my own company where now I'm making, you know, half of what I was before. Yeah. That same security she had before in me as the provider, you know, has kind of taken a hit, right? Because now I'm having to build up this business to where I know one day it can be, but it's not there yet. Yeah. And so she's having to put in a few more hours at work than she, I know, would want to and yeah. does, does want to. But, you know, I, I try to tell her, hey, this, you know, you're part of this journey. You're part of this company, even though you're not directly employed by it. The fact that you're going out and getting those extra hours and getting the benefits that our family needs because we have five kids, you know, you're helping support what it is that I'm doing. Yeah. So what's it like, I guess, for people out there who are sick of their job or do want to start a company? What's it like to make that transition? I mean, with five kids <laughs> and going from the provider financially to, hey, I'm going to go after something that I'm passionate about that I know is going to make a difference. Like, yeah. what was that transition like? Uh, first off, very scary. <laughs> very scary, just simply because I felt also this calling on my life to go out and do uh, this new career and follow this new path. And I was like, okay, I'm hearing you, God, <laughs> but that's, that's not me. You know, why me? And I don't think it's me. I don't think I can do that. I didn't think I had what it took uh, to do it, quite honestly. So for me, it was very scary. And, you know, it was overcoming the fear. It was mm -hmm. just having the courage to take the first step. And then when you take that first step, awesome, you got through that first step. And then all, all of a sudden, some new fears may pop up. Okay. And so then it's having the courage to take the next step with these new fears now in play. And so just step by step, you're not going to conquer it all in one day. Yeah. Step by step, getting there to the point where... Uh, you're doing it. But it certainly was, uh, uh, it was scary. Uh, again, some tough conversations with, with the wife about uh, what this could be. And, but I did have the good fortune of, uh, unlike some people, Jason, for example, uh, made a pretty big jump, both feet in. Uh, with five kids, I didn't feel, my wife and I didn't feel I could make that big of a jump. So I started out part-time. Okay. So I had a full-time job where I was working from home, and then I just focused on this new career on the weekends and my mm. vacation time. And then as it grew, I started to take time away from work. So, okay, I'm taking some unpaid time, boss, and I continued to grow it. And then I got to a point where I could no longer do that and hold that career down and handle my new career. So I, I, I then made the jump. So I had some security of knowing that there was going to be business there for me when right. I did make that full-time jump. Right. So when you're – when I mean – I guess you were able to do a, a slower transition. Right. So it was not as big of a, like a, oh, hey, <laughs> I'm not working anymore <laughs> and we're going to have to figure this out. Right. Which is, it's, it's a good way to, to start a business. I mean, I've heard both ways. I've heard the only way to succeed is to dive head first. And then if you succeed, great. If not, then whatever. But then I've also heard success stories of do it on the side, build it up, see if there's a demand, create the demand, whatever it is. And then, you know, 
go into it. It's sort of like that don't put all your eggs in one basket idea, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, it's definitely more than one way to skin a cat, right? Right. So uh, the way that Jason did it and other people do it, they just jump straight in. And I applaud them for that because of the courage, the massive amount of courage it takes to do that. Yeah. And the dedication just to jump in without looking back. Uh, yeah. I just didn't feel like for me in my situation and with my family, like I just could not afford to do that. Yeah. So I had to be more cautious, uh, take more time to ramp it up slowly, work part time doing it. And so, uh, you know, is one way better than the other? I think it really depends on the situation. Yeah. But both ways are options. So let's nice let's give the listeners an idea of what it is that you do. What what is the business that you're running? I mean, I've helped you out, obviously. Sure. I know, but. Um, <laughs> Go ahead and explain exactly what it is you do. Yeah. So I started a business called Battle Tested. And its primary function is to provide team building, character building events to high school and college sports teams. But it didn't start that way. It did not start that way. So what what was, <laughs> what did you start it as? Yeah. So I'll back up to 2012, I believe it was, or maybe 2011. I uh, saw on Facebook, one of those Facebook ads for a Tough Mudder. You know, mm. obstacle course race. Yeah. And I thought, man, that looks like fun. I need to get some buddies to go do that. And so I got a group, maybe 10 guys together and we trained a little bit and we went out and we did a tough mutter. And I just loved the way that I felt afterwards, this feeling of uh, increased self-confidence in my ability to go out and do difficult things. Obviously it was physical, mm-hmm. uh, but that it actually translated over into my other uh, other aspects of my life. I was just more confident at work and just at home. I just felt like a more confident man. I felt more manly. <laughs> okay. Well. And so I love the way that made me feel. So I signed up to do another one and another one, uh, different brands, if you will, but uh, difficult situations where my endurance was tested, my perseverance was tested, uh, my will to finish was tested. And every time I did, uh, as difficult as it may have been, I just loved it. And mm-hmm. I began to think in 2012, like, man, other people need to experience this. Other men need to experience this. And it's great to get together and play in the mud and do these obstacles. But why don't we do those types of things, but also maybe work on our character? Because as great as it is that I'm physical and I can go out and I can, you know, lift weights and do these obstacle course races, my character is going to serve me much more in life than my muscles ever will. Yeah. So what are we doing? What are we men doing to improve our character, to help us be better husbands and better fathers and better leaders? So Battle Test was created with the idea that I'm going to get men only out there uh, to do these types of crazy events where we just push ourselves. We, we get uncomfortable physically. I'm going to challenge their character in different ways, uh, whether it be integrity, commitment, loyalty, what have you. Every event's going to kind of have a theme yeah. and we men are going to help, help each other get better. And that was the goal was just to focus on men, helping men get, get better. Yeah. Cool. So then why, or how, <laughs> how, I guess you could say, how did you end up with high school kids and college kids? So at one of my events, my brother-in-law came to volunteer and he's a college soccer coach at a nearby university. And he said, Blake, my students would love this. Would you come and do this on our campus for, my students. And I jumped and said, okay, let's do it. And that day when I left the event, it was so clear to me that yes, this is the direction I need to go. One, because of my wiring. I have always been about the next generation, about helping 
uh, prepare students for the battles they're going to face in life. Mm. I've worked in youth ministries and mentoring and different things like that where I care about kids and I want kids to be better prepared than I was growing up to handle their future, to, to be more uh, successful earlier on. Yeah. So it was that day where I knew I had to start changing my focus. Very cool. Very cool. And now, what's how, how long have you been doing it? How many schools have you served? You, yeah, you got the numbers on hand? Sure. So I started really, uh, I guess the, the focus changed in 2014. And so I just started reaching out to a few schools. I think I, I had maybe eight events for schools that year. Uh, 2015, it jumped up to 38, I believe, schools that I worked with that year. And then 2016, I'm still part-time at this time with the other company. 2016, I did 110 events. <laughs> wow. And that was a clear message. Okay, it's time to go full-time. Yeah. Uh, so now this year, I've just completed event number 130. So still growing. Uh, I don't want to say 100, more than 130, but 130 where I'm actually on their campus, putting them through the physical challenges, the mental and moral challenges. Yeah. Cool. So what, I guess, so you're with the high, the high school kids. Um, and I, I helped you out a couple times and I was right. able to see the program you run and it's awesome. And one of the things um, that I thought was really unique was how you incorporate story time. Yes. Right. The storytelling. <laughs> story time. And it always, since I heard it and your Instagram is full of story times and um, I'm always fascinated with stories mm. and how we learn from stories, whether they're true or made up yep. or ones of failure or success we learned so much from stories i guess what made you want to incorporate stories into your training and also what's the impact you've seen mm. through your stories yeah. like through through these kids i think i've always been drawn to stories myself if you go back to the dawn of man before man ever wrote anything on paper you know, things were passed down from generation to generation through stories. Yeah. That's how they communicated and passed down knowledge and uh, wisdom by using stories. And I've always been drawn to them. And I can't say I know exactly, uh, can I recall back to the very beginning of uh, when I used my first story in my events? Uh, I feel like when I first started using, uh, doing the events with men, um, I certainly did it then. I can't recall exactly what the main motivator was other than mm. I just loved them. And they're, they're memorable. I mean, I've gone back to schools now four years in a row, and the kids can still tell me what stories I told them in prior years. Isn't that incredible? They remember them. They remember them. And, of course, they have to be good stories. They have to be compelling stories to be remembered. Right. But uh, I, I find them or I create them. Some of them are my own personal stories of things that I've gone through. Uh, people relate to people through story so uh, you you might tell me a story about you growing up and something you went through and i can relate to that because i went through something very similar yeah uh, so the stories need to be relatable but i certainly have uh, not only do they remember them um i've had a couple of teams this past year that gave me the best gift i've ever been given by a team which was every one of their students wrote down for me what they got out of a day mm. what was their takeaway mm. and hearing uh, firsthand then with their handwriting of <laughs> how the stories impacted them. Maybe it was one specific story or one phrase I said in a story. is like, I'm going to remember that because that's going to help me be a better teammate this year, to be a better person going forward. So it's been powerful to hear testimony about how 
not just the events, but the stories in particular yeah. have impacted student athletes. Yeah. That's awesome. It's fascinating. Oh, it's amazing. It, it really is. And l- like you said, how, I mean, even the story of the boy who cried wolf, right? Yeah. So whether it's true or not, at this point, I don't, I don't know if anybody knows, but right. it's a powerful story and it's able to, te- to teach you a lesson. Um, and it's awesome that, that you're bringing these stories to these kids. But um, what I think is, is equally fascinating is the stories we tell ourselves mm. about ourselves, right? Yes. So the story that, like when you were opening your business, do I, I don't have what it takes. Stories right? are very different. <laughs> right, exactly. So, I mean, how are you consciously, as you're going through your life as a man, as a husband, as a, a business owner, like what, what steps are you taking, I guess, when you're writing your own story? Mm. I think first, you know, because the majority of people that I've ever met with, spoken with, the majority of us tell ourselves stories that we shouldn't hear, you know, that we're not good enough, that we don't have what it takes. <clears throat> the, there was a book that was transformational for me. It's called uh, Wild at Heart by John Eldridge. Yeah. And I read that when I was in my late 20s, early 30s. And in that book, he says, the question of every man, every man needs to have this question answered. And it's the question do I have what it takes? Or said another way, am I man enough? Mm. We have that question just naturally in us, and we've got to get that question answered before we really are a whole lot of value to anybody else. Mm. And I was raised by my great aunt and my great grandmother until she passed away. I was not raised by a man. And in that book, he tells you that question has got to be answered by a man, a father, a father figure. You need to have a man tell you, you're man enough now. Mm. We don't have rites of passage like we... Uh, you know, used to do, or some African communities did they that. They got right. some crazy rights of yeah, passage. You know, yeah, like Jason told me about the the Kenyan warriors. They go out and kill a lion. When you kill a lion, you know you're a man. Well, they can't do that now. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's rites of passages, right? And we don't have that here. So I struggled for years, decades, to try to determine: Am I man enough? Do I have what it takes for whatever it is for just life in general? Yeah. And I I often didn't feel that way. Uh, because of my upbringing, yeah. because um, I wasn't living with my mom and my dad, and they didn't seem too interested in what was going on at various stages of my life. So if those people don't give you that, why should I be confident in who I am as a person? Yeah. So I think we first, at least for me, I'll speak firsthand, I had to overcome my own story. The, those own stories I was telling myself that I'm not enough, that I don't have what it takes. I needed to overcome that first before I was willing ready to step into something scary like starting my own business yeah i didn't know you you didn't grow up with uh with a like a father figure no no not at all not well, at all. my family split when i was three i was the youngest of four um my uh, sisters uh, wound up moving to florida with my mom she got remarried um so i think from the age of nine till after high school, I didn't see them, didn't really communicate with them. Uh, again, raised, uh, raised in Alabama by a, a great aunt who was a wonderful woman. Uh, but, you know, as far as having a, a male role model, just didn't have that. She was never yeah. married. She had a brother, but he was an alcoholic. And when he was around, it just kind of scared me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I bet. So, uh, Did yeah. you have any brothers or was it just I had a little brother who was 13 months older than me. And he, fortunately, for, uh, our relationship was great because he showed me what not to do in life. He made horrible decisions. Um, uh, 
committed suicide at the age of 29. Um, so lots of decisions that led him down this path. But yeah. A lot of depression and uh, different things that he suffered and went through. But he showed me kind of what not to do. And so I tried to do different. So I tried to be good. I tried to be the, the good student, and yeah. the good boy. Um, didn't rebel a whole lot, but um, you know, just tried to be successful. And I was through a lot of different reasons and, and maybe just a lot of grace of God, you know, went down a better path that, you know, led me to college and, you know, greater success and wow. in life. So, wow. What a, what a great direction you took. I mean, you could have gone a whole bunch of different ways. Well, you know, statistics will tell you that uh, fatherless boys um, are much more prone to all the things my brother did, the drug, yeah. drug abuse, alcohol, um, uh, behavioral disorders, prison, suicide. Yeah. It typically leads to that. I mean, more often than not, it leads to bad things. And I've worked with kids who are grown up in situ similar situations, and it just, history tends to repeat itself. But I remember very vividly at a young age saying, I will be different. Mm. I am not going to let my history uh, dictate my future. And so, really putting that marker in the ground that says, I'm going to be different. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to be different. Wow. So like, like you said in that, in that book, wild, it's wild, called at, wild heart. at heart. I read that book. Yeah. I always, I always think it's either man in the wild or yeah, <laughs> something like wild at heart. Um, so like you're saying, every man has that question of, am I man enough? Do I have what it takes? Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like I grew up feeling that same way, but I had like my, my father was very present and a good example of a man. And I had uncles and, my one grandfather was alive and around. Um, I mean, but I still struggled with it. Mm. And I feel like to to this day, I still struggle with it, mm. right? Like I'm 27 now. I'm getting married in February. Yeah. I have a house now. Like I'm going to be the man of the house, but there's still something inside that says, well, do you have what it takes? Right. Are you man enough? And a part of me is like, I feel like I'm 16 still, right? Like I yeah. just got my license. I'm, I don't have responsibilities, <laughs> whatever I do. But I mean, I couldn't imagine growing up in, in a house where one, your older brother is making all the wrong decisions. And two, there's no other man to look up to. Like, walk me through that. I mean, like, where, when did you make that, that distinction of like, I do have what it takes. I am man enough. Like, cause you're, you're an amazing man for well, people who don't know you. Like you're an amazing person. And I, I would say you're a great example of what a man should do and should be. Um, so hearing that you grew up with no examples to look after, to, to emulate, like what was that process like? Yeah. Well, thank you, first of all. Um, very humbling. I, um, you know, I think that we will always have to have that question answered. So I think that uh, certainly growing up with, with fathers helps you get the bulk of the question answered at certain times earlier in life. Um, I feel like my answers really didn't come till I was in my 30s when I started to finally feel like, yeah, maybe I do have what it takes to some degree. But new things are going to come up in life, starting a new company, getting married, where we may kind of revert back to that question. Mm -hmm. Okay, can I handle this? This is, a, this is something new. I've never done this before. Yeah. Can I do that? So I think there will always be some struggle around that question. Um, and I think the best teachers have been life experience. You go through certain things. Um, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. You know, I, if you would have told me, um, hey, you're going to go through these things in life, 
uh, all those bad things, death of your brother, all these things, and you're going to turn out okay. I would have had a hard time believing that. Yeah. <laughs> um, did those things wound me? Absolutely, they wounded me. But uh, I've been able to overcome a lot of those things. Uh, some of that, I think, simply by the grace of God. And I've allowed God to father me. To me, it's been a very spiritual journey that yeah. if I don't have an earthly father uh, figure to really help build me up, to help me, help initiate me into manhood, yeah. well, who's going to do it? Yeah. Well, I heard about this God guy, and apparently he's pretty interested in doing that. <laughs> so maybe I'll give him a shot at helping to father me, if you will, yeah. and initiate me into what it takes to be a man. So I've had, you're the third guest on, and all three men have said that their faith has been a, a huge factor in their lives. The first one, he's um, Sikh. It's a Sikh mm -hmm. religion. Yeah. Indian. Yeah. And um, so it's not, he believes in Jesus, but his is like that there's one God, one energy, whatever, and that Jesus was a... Um, was a prophet and a great man. And yeah. he, he could learn from Jesus. He could learn from Muhammad. He could learn from all these different men. But it's interesting that three great men so far have all mentioned faith and their trust in God. And that all three have gone through huge trials that have wounded you guys. You know, everyone gets wounded. Everyone has trials, yep. but it's that your faith in God um, really has carried you through it. And helped you step up. Absolutely. I mean, that's got to be something, right? <laughs> well, to me, it, it, you know, faith, whether it be exactly my faith or you believe something else, it's, it gives you some hope, right? That there is you know, something, there's a reason why I'm here. There's yeah. a bigger uh, person behind all this than just some explosion that happened in space a long time ago. Uh, it certainly gives you some sort of, of hope. And, yeah. You know, faith is not easy for everyone to uh, to accept and to believe in in anything beyond what they can see. Um, so, I'm thankful that for whatever reason, maybe it was because you know my aunt raised me in a church and I was there regularly. I'd, uh, you know, faith kind of came easy to me, so to speak. But that certainly has played a big part in you know I think my success, my ability to overcome uh, what I've gone through. Yeah, uh, I can't imagine trying to go through. Uh, what I have without having faith. Yeah. can imagine how lonely that must, uh, you know, that journey would have been without. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been there. I think I, uh, I went through a phase where I, I questioned everything way too much. I think questioning things is healthy. Um, and you know, not just blind faith of like, Oh, someone said this, so I believe it. Mm -hmm. You know, questioning things is good. But I feel like I went through a phase where, I questioned everything way too much. And I got to a point where I was like, man, no, there's no God. It, like everything is, none of this makes sense or, you know, there's no answers to all these questions, whatever. But yeah, it sucked. Mm. I mean, I was, it was in a time where, um, and I was talking about in the last podcast where like my best friend had died and then there was another suicide. And then like just sort of things were just kind of being flipped. My world was being flipped upside down. And I was like, well, why is all this happening? Question, question, question. But there's like, no, you, you like, you just have the faith. Like not now I feel like I have faith. Nothing yeah. really has changed, but just having that faith, that's something that, that we're here for good, that there is a purpose and that purpose is to serve others and, you know, like just be kind to each other and love each other. 
um, it's way more fulfilling. Absolutely. And it's like one of those things where it's like, yeah, even, even though there's questions that aren't answered, it's like, who cares? My life is so much better. Yes. You know, like, why do I have to have the answer to, but it's funny that the Neil deGrasse, I don't know how to pronounce his name. The guy who talks about the comets and the stars. Yeah. He's like, you're equally as crazy to believe in the big bang as you are to believe in God. Hmm. He's like, I'm a scientist, you know? Yeah. And that's like the theory of the big bang theory is what we think has happened is what we, we could through experiments and stuff or through, studies have shown yeah it's possible right. but it's also possible that god created this you know yeah. so it's like why well, fight it like my life is so much better now right and everyone that i've in- talked to or interviewed is like yeah man it's like the faith in god is what brought me through everything right so there's got to be something there you know you reminded me of a, of a simple quote my one of my sister-in-laws uh, told me and maybe she didn't tell me directly but i heard it and she said you know if i if i die one day and there is no afterlife. And this whole Christianity thing has been a farce. I can't say I'd be disappointed because my belief in this God has helped me have such a much better life here on this earth. Yeah. So even if there's nothing afterwards, it has helped me be better while I'm here. While it's you're given here, yeah. me something to cling to, um, to trust in, to have hope in while I'm here. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. I love it. Um, not to change the subject, but... So I brought you on not only because you're a great man, and I hope that the guys listening are seeing an example of what it is to be a great man, but I also feel as if you have a very unique perspective because you work with high school boys and young men, college boys, young men, Mm -hmm. and you can see kind of what the future of men is looking like Mm. and what you think is missing or what maybe not missing, but what can be added. Um, because, I mean, as you know, like, suicides are at an all-time high. Like, depression, yep. anxiety is, like, everyone's got it now. Um, we live in a world that's, in my view, it's kind of off the, at least our society is off the rails of, like, what it means to be a man or a kind person or an American or whatever. Um, I think you have a unique perspective because you work with these kids. You see them every day. You're mentoring them. Like what? What is it? Give us like a, a pulse on what <laughs> what what it's like right now. Yeah, I um yeah I've had the opportunity a lot to work with uh, young men and young women. The um, maybe I'll start with this. I'll my wife asked me a year or so ago. It's like so, so which do you enjoy working with more uh, more the boys teams or the girls teams? And I thought I said well if you if I think back to my most favorite events that I've done. Um, they're all girls events. And she said, why? I said, well, they approach the events with um, a greater sense of enthusiasm and excitement. Uh, there was less fear, apprehension, surprisingly. And they didn't have this macho bravado kind of pretend thing going on that they were trying to be something that maybe they weren't. And they were just kind of, okay, this scary thing, I'll try that. Sure. Whereas the boys were more hesitant. More, hmm. Overall, they've been a little more hesitant to step up and, and maybe do something. And that's not across the board, but it just seems like a, a big majority. Um, lack some things that really I thought that maybe the, the, the girls uh, might struggle with. I see some of the boys struggling with. And, you know, anxiety is a big issue today, obviously. My, I've got a, one of my daughters is struggling with that. And 
the, the insecurities that our youth feel, I think, is real. Um, I certainly think that this digital age that we're in, the, uh, the convenience of life, the conveniences, everything is at my fingertips. And everything yeah. I want, I can have it now. I don't have to wait for it. I don't have to work for it. Mm. You know, I remember growing up when I would ask my aunt, hey, what's the, you know, what's the definition of so-and-so word? You know, she would say, go look it up in the dictionary. She, yeah. she wouldn't tell me. She'd just say, go look it up. So I have to get up, go to another room, get this big heavy book out, start flipping pages yeah. to find the definition. Even finding a definition was work for me. Now, you know, nothing's worked. Everything's accessible on my phone and, you know, computer, whatever. So I think those things are certainly uh, hurting all of our youth, not just our boys, but all the youth just from being um, uh, people that can go get things done. And they just... Uh, oftentimes do want things given to them. Mm. They don't want to have to work necessarily for certain things. So there is that, we hear about the sense of entitlement. It's there. It's yeah. there. It's real. I uh, cannot tell you exactly all the causes for it. I can't. Uh, I can just speculate, but it's real. Uh, how, do we, how do we solve that? You know, to me, I think it's being much more intentional in doing things uh, that, changes the environment for our kids and so maybe that is that uh, week in the woods that we take in the summer where there's no phones um, there's no running water but we just go out and we uh, throw throw ourselves into an adventure and we yeah. see how we do we gotta fix our own food we gotta start our own fires we gotta you know, set up our tents and take down our tents all those things uh, to me more and more kids need to do those things um, because there's so many benefits just of learning how life is work. Yeah. You will have to work to be successful in life, to provide for yourself and for those around you to step up, to be that man. You know, I, I wish that more people did rites of passage type of ceremonies yeah. or rites of passage events. So maybe at 13 years old, starting that young boy off with, uh, maybe it's just an overnighter somewhere. And then over time, as he gets to be maybe 16, 17, about to go off to college, now we really have more, of a rite of passage type of ceremony where we uh, really test him a little bit. He doesn't have to go out and kill a lion, but he's got to go out and gather all the firewood and start the fire and he's in charge of this. And all those little things we can do just to help give them some confidence in their abilities. Because I certainly sense a, a big sense of uh, lack of confidence in hmm. a lot of the boys that I work with, for sure. So you said something very interesting because of the access to information because the access to everything now with technology that we are our generation whatever the 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 pulse kind of is that there isn't really that work to get anything right if you want a definition of something hey siri define this right um and it's there and that and it ties back to the do i have what it takes because if we're not as men this is a, a podcast about men if we're not continually testing ourselves or if we're not continually putting ourselves in situations where we have to step up, like taking risks, mm -hmm. going across the room to say hi to that girl, or, or starting a new job, or right. going to the gym, if we're not constantly putting ourselves in uncomfortable situations where we're testing, and we're just sitting back and playing on our phones, or getting all of our inf information from the internet, whatever, if we're not testing ourselves, we don't know if we have what it takes. Exactly. And yeah. that's kind of what what's creating that that, that anxiety, it sounds like. Yeah. It's because everything's so easy. I mean, imagine if you, if you stay in your comfort zone all the time, will you get better? Hardly any, right? 
I mean, we, we have to get you out of our comfort right? zone to grow. Yeah. I mean, if you get better at all, I'd be surprised. But you have to get uncomfortable to get better. You know, like you said, go across the room and speak to that young lady. I've had that conversation with my 13-year-old boy. Sometimes you just need that five seconds of insane courage to go out there yeah. and, and try something. Then you realize, oh, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was. But then even if you get rejected, you're alive. You're fine. Yeah, exactly. Who cares? You know, but like you're able to tell yourself, hey, that sucked. That didn't feel good, but... Hey, look, nothing bad happened. And I had the courage to at least try. Right. At least throw my hat in the ring. I had the right. courage to do that. So, yes, you're oh, absolutely man. right. Opportunities to prove yourself. And that's what young boys need to help get them into, uh, you know, spur them on to manhood is opportunities to prove themselves. Yeah. And that's what those uh, obstacle course races did for me. It's an op- opportunity for me to prove myself. Yeah. To maybe nobody else but me. Right. I had to become the believer in myself that, Yes, I do have what it takes. Yes, I can do this. Yeah. I just had to believe it myself. Other people would tell me that didn't necessarily mean anything to me until I had the opportunity to experience it. And yeah. Figure it out for myself. Well, so and that's what you provide too for these these kids. So like what's I mean, give us an example of something that you've saw in the beginning of your event because your events are what like 2 or 3 About hours? 3 hours typically. Right. So I mean, I'm sure you have you got to have a story of like someone or like even a team as a as a collective you walked into an event and you're like, man, these guys might not have what it takes. You know? <laughs> but then at the end, you see like maybe one person step up or a couple people or the whole team. Give yeah. us, give well, us an I've example. Seen, I'm sure I've you've... seen lots of those things. And since we're talking about men, I'll stick with the boys. But uh, I've certainly seen where I've walked into a group of uh, high school boys, for example, and the coach and I. Uh, over the first hour, we're kind of doing some challenges. They're a little more or less intense, uh, low-key, learning to trust and respect each other. Um, and the coach and I are looking at each other with kind of like question marks in our eyes, like, hmm, not so sure this is going to go over so well with these boys. They're they're not working well together. You know, there's a lot of hesitation. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they're barking at each other. Uh, and then to see hour three come around, and now the coach and I are looking at ourselves like, are we really seeing this? <laughs> Are we seeing the improvement from hour one to hour three? Like we're surprised. Like, wow, they really turned a corner. Yeah. And we saw change in a short amount of time, three hours, take place. And I've seen that. And I've had young men walk up to me afterwards and shake my hand and just give me, you know, such thanks for the impact that the event had on them um, and how they're going to do things differently or act differently now because of what they've gone through. Uh, I've had coaches that, uh, you know, I usually do the events preseason, right? Yeah. Coaches want that preseason team, team, build, team building event. And so then they'll contact me at the end of the season. You can't believe the difference in so-and-so. From the time you were there to the time, the end of the season, like he was a totally different person. Man, He stepped up to be the leader that I was hoping uh, he had in him all along. He just needed to recognize it. That's what my events are. They're made to be hard. They're made to be physically challenging. I challenge them physically, mentally, and morally. And I do the, to me, the physical challenging is part because it's important because that's where they get the chance to prove, right? It's battle tested. They're being tested. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you going to pass the test so you're better prepared for life after the test? That's really what, where the name battle tested came about. Uh, better prepared for those battles they're going to face in life. So I want to test them and give them opportunities, male and female, to show themselves and each other and their coaches that, yes, when things get hard, I'll be here. Yeah, I'll continue to work hard. I'll be a great teammate. They have that opportunity. It's really their choice. They don't always make the right choice, but they have the choice yeah. to 
put in the work to come out better on the other side. That's awesome. Yeah. I know the there was one event I did with you um, where there was one of the guys was less fit and he was really struggling at the end. And you could see there was like, there was a kid who was like the leader, but also a ball buster and like a jokester. Mm. And uh, so he was yapping, yapping, whatever. And then as the event went on, he was getting more and more tired because, you know, you're, you're challenging yeah. him physically. But at the end, what was cool was the, the kid who was less physically fit was struggling. And this kid who was the leader, but more of a jokester and almost, almost like could have been a nuisance to the, to the team, you know, whatever, um, st- stepped up and like went and supported the kid he didn't he didn't mm. physically touch him but he was like yo you got this let's go and he was applauding him and clapping him on and like yeah. get up you got this you got this you got this and it was really cool to see that like i mean in high school right it's like throwing kids to the wolves i mean you got the kids who are like the strong athletic popular ones without whatever and then you have some kids who are less athletic or you know whatever it may be in the maybe in the halls they're not as friendly but to see when you break it down physically and you're at your bare bones to like what we are is our core, our mm-hmm. most natural, like people step up and help each other out, yeah. you know, but when we're not tested and everything's comfortable, it seems like there's that, there's that headbutting there. There's that conflict. Yeah. But what was really cool with your event that I saw was people being broken down physically and mentally. I mean, when you're physically broken yeah. down, your mind kind of starts going, but the good that came out of it, like Absolutely. I'm going to step up in a good way and at at a point in the event it got to the point where people were like this sucks i hate this you know like yeah. i'm tired i don't want to do this <laughs> but then you keep pushing you keep pushing you keep pushing you're like whatever let's get this done let's step up i got this let's let's push through yeah so i thought that was really cool and i want them to get to that point if possible yeah. you know not every coach lets me take them there some coach may say you know i want them to practice tomorrow we have a game tomorrow don't don't go too hard on them oh, man. but i love to be as hard on them as the coach will let me from a, a physical standpoint, because there's such great opportunity in that. There's such great learning in that. And like you said, people coming together because they realize, wow, I can't get through this by myself. Mm-hmm. I've got to lean into my teammates and accept the help of my teammates and be a help to my teammates yeah. uh, in order to get through this thing. Yeah. And so, then when they do, there's the confidence, right? That's that's the, the, the unification that we're hoping to see. And there's the big boost in confidence. That, yeah. You know, hey, we did it. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, not only the confidence of like I can do it, but the respect for everybody else on the team of like I've been through this. This sucked, exactly. and you're not as strong or as fast as I am, whatever. And you push through it, right? So I have a respect for you. Yes. And that's, I mean, I think, and if you take it out of high school and go into like manhood or whatever, like by you starting your own business, it was hard. It was scary. You know, it took a lot of courage, but you're able to sit back and say yeah, I have what it takes. I did it. And then look at other people who are doing it and have a different respect for that. We're the the people who aren't taking that leap, who aren't, you know, like who are just in their job and they're miserable and they're fine with it. But then they'll like, they'll knock the people down who are trying for it. Yeah. Cause they don't know what it's like. They've never been through it. So I think it will, what it sounds like for you, my question was, you know, because you have the exposure to these young men is, what can we do or what can they do to kind of grow as men? It's to put yourself in those challenging positions. Yeah. They got to gotta, gotta be tested. Give them a chance to yeah. prove themselves. I mean, I think even all of us, I mean, I'm about to be 50 years old in a couple of years and 
I still really want the opportunities. Yes. Like you look great, man. <laughs> I still look for opportunities to prove myself. And there's still something about proving yourself again if if to no one but yourself that is is rewarding and satisfying. Yeah. So yeah, so the our boys need more of that. Yeah. So that's why every boy needs to be battle tested. <laughs> I I agree. I'm fully fully promoting what you do. Uh, uh, I think it's and you do it Outside of Illinois, too, right? So I have a, a four-hour radius currently. So I'm in part of Iowa, Wisconsin, Michigan, Indiana. Uh, so, yeah, four-hour radius from my home to try to get yeah. there, do the event, get home on the same day. Yeah, so shameless plug. If anybody knows anybody who's in a sports team in high That's school right. or college, let them know battle-tested. I mean, I single, I first-handed helped you out in a couple events, yeah. and I thought it was amazing. Yeah, thank and you. You're a great guy. Um, a quick thought. The other day, I was at the gym. I just started, like, training again. Mm-hmm. And I had this real big urge to, like, yell. Okay. Like, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I almost did it, too. Whereas, like, I'm not that guy who's, like, grunting at the gym on every rep or whatever. Yeah. I Grunting just doesn't do it for me. But, like, after I was done with the set, and I don't lift that heavy of weights. I'm, I'm a long guy. So, like, I just, whatever, reps. Yeah. But I had this really big urge to, like, yell. And I didn't, obviously, because I was in public. Okay. But I, I almost did it. And I was talking with my fiance about it. And I'm like, babe, I have this urge to, to like, roar almost. Mm. And it sounds whatever, but I feel like and, – and then I saw – have you seen um, the Samoans, the, the New Zealand All Blacks? All Blacks, yes. And they do that, that thing before yes. uh, the haka, I think yep. it's called. I think you're right. I get the chills every time I watch it because – it's an expression, man. Like men are, we're made to, to express ourselves. And I feel like in the last hundred or so years, whatever, we've not done a great job of supporting our women, of mm. supporting each other. And we've created an environment where women are afraid and rightfully so. I mean, we're stronger mm-hmm. on, on the whole men are stronger than women. And so for them to be afraid and, and to, to not trust us and whatever, we kind of aren't allowed to get loud or to get big in public where like on the football field, you can do it and you'll yes. see, you'll see the boys. They'll unleash everything on the field. Cause it's like the only place where we can do that. Right. But I'm like, I'm telling you this urge that I had to yell was so strong that I was like, I need, I need to do this. I do it at home all the time now yeah. where it's like, when I get it, I just do it. But I mean, what I mean, what do you think? Do you think there is that? I think it's cool that need for expression. <laughs> I, I, next time it comes up, I I feel like I'm gonna do it. <laughs> but I feel like um, too when when men say things nowadays, it's like, oh, you're this or you're that or you're insensitive or you're intolerant. But I feel like we have this need to express ourselves in a very strong vocal way. I mean, lions roar all like gorillas they pound their chest and i'm like i feel like it's a natural thing to do but we don't have that outlet to do it yeah i think we've been quieted right i mean society has quieted us you know we have workplaces where we have to act a certain way at church you got to act a certain way and you know with your kids you gotta you know speak a certain tone and you know we certainly have been uh uh, quieted yeah we've been uh, muzzled if you will for the ability to to roar and that's you know I think gems is an, uh, a gym is an adequate place to do that. These races that I do, uh, our sports fields, you know, we have uh, some opportunities, but you really got to find those opportunities. Yeah. Your normal day is not going to present the opportunity where it's just fitting for me to go out and just roar and claim my manhood. Right? Yeah. 
<laughs> but it's so it's necessary though. I mean, you. I mean, look at every athlete after they let's say they're in a fight and they knock someone out, whether it's MMA or a football, when they make a tackle or like you smash a home run, like the first natural instinct is just to, to yell, to yell, yeah, and get loud. I mean, it's and it feels good, absolutely. But it's also like you have those wins at work. Let's say you work in an office. You're sometimes you got a big win, but you can't express yourself. Like that's got to be. It's got to be knocking these guys down in, in some way, right? Like to, to not unleash. It's kind of quieting them, right? Yeah. The, the, the spirit is probably quieting the spirit of what wants to come out. Oh, we got to change that. I know. I like when Balthasar grows and I've got people all over the country, we're going to just get together and yell or something. Oh, it's the Every mad. victory we have, we're going to, yes, let's celebrate that. And we, <laughs> right? Well, you have to celebrate your wins. Right. You, you have to. Yeah. Um, Oh, now I'm, now I'm all pumped up. So <laughs> real quick, there was, um, they do this haka dance yes. or at, um, they do it at like funerals, retirements before, um, battle, you know, like sporting events, whatever. And it was fascinating to me that it, there was this funeral of, I think the all blacks GM or something. And all these men in suits were doing this ritual haka mm. dance, but it's so natural in their community in their society to do yeah. this that the women were like proud like their shoulders went back and mm. you know like they're they were held higher because they knew that like these men they got this yeah through through this expression i mean with the weird faces and the yelling and the slapping and the, the knees and the chest whatever and then i also saw a video of high school kids doing it okay. as a collective and you saw big kids small kids skinny kids fat kids all boys it was all like boys. an all-boys school okay and I, I almost started crying because I was like, what if we had this in our schools? Yeah. What if what if our boys were able to express themselves as a collective too? Like bringing sort of how I was saying about your uh, your event where the top dog and the, and the, the bottom dog like came, they connected because they went through this together. Right. You know, like there's, we have to, in my opinion, as a society, allow boys to come together to be battle tested, let them fight it out, you know, not physically, because obviously some, right. whatever, but like get tested together and then come up stronger so that we end up supporting each other and you feel, you know, that collective as a whole. Um, I think that's what you're doing too with, with your events. Well, I certainly think so. You know, I think boys, men, we need the opportunities to, to be that, to be the masculine us that, you know, we're, we're designed to be. And the haka, I think, is a good expression of, you know, man demonstrating his manliness. You don't see women doing that. It's not something in their culture that the women do. Right. But yet you saw, as you said, the women roll their shoulder backs and they look proud, right? Because their man's out there showing his manliness. Mm. Women want their men to be men. The majority of them do, at least. I, yeah. I sure hope so. They should They should be proud, right? When my, when my husband steps up, I remember just this a couple of years ago, my daughter was going through something at school. Uh, a boy said something inappropriate about her, and I got riled up. I mean, bristled up, and I went to that school, and I was I was yelling. I was hot. I wanted something to be done, action to be taken. And my daughter was so proud of the fact that Dad got out of character of what I usually am, mm. this quiet, you know, friendly guy to be something different. Like, and she was proud of it. It didn't scare at all. She, mm. she knew that it was for the right reason. And like, wow, my, my dad does love me. And he's, you know, him showing this masculine side, you know, is showing and communicating that to me. And this is what a man should look like. Yeah. And so hopefully one day she finds a man herself 
uh, and that guy is going to be a man's man who is there to protect her and to, you know, make sure that no harm comes to her. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So we're coming up to uh, about an hour, but I wanted to finish with um, the legacy question. Okay. Because you have five kids. I do. How many boys? How many girls? Two boys, three girls. Two boys, three girls. Yeah. What's the oldest age? Oldest youngest? is 20 all the way down to seven. So every three 20? years we've got... Like, I can't believe you're going to be 50. <laughs> 48 now, so a couple of years away. Do you work? Do you have to work out every oh, day? Yeah. Well, not every day, no. Uh, I go on my, my hills and valleys like most people, but yeah. uh, I, I try to be diligent. That's awesome. So sidetrack, but yeah. what, what would you say is your the legacy you're working on or the legacy that you know that you're going to pass on to your kids? Hmm. Uh, I think the biggest thing that I do is serve people. And I think I do that uh, at home. At least I try to with my wife and my kids. And I certainly do that with the, um, when I worked with youth ministry, when I worked in mentoring, um, my career now is all about serving kids, serving coaches, uh, helping these student athletes, uh, be better prepared for the battles they're going to face in life. And I want my kids to hopefully remember that, you know, dad was all about other people, you know, existing here on this earth to just look out for your own goods, for your own selfish needs. Man, what a, a boring life that would be to me, yeah. you know, going out and getting all that I can get. No, I want to see how much can I give? How much of my, my time, resources, energy can I give to other people and helping their life be fulfilling because when i give oh i get so much more in return yeah i you know i can't, i can't out give god as as we often hear in church but you know when i give i, I just see, seem to get so much more in return and so maybe it's out of selfishness in a way that i give because i know it's going to feel good mm. but there's just something innate in me that says go out and impact other people i, I want to inspire yeah. And impact other people. What are, um, for the fathers out there, what are some ways that you give to your wife and your kids? Mm, my wife is, you know, she, it's all about love languages, right? So we could speak another podcast about that, but you know, her primary love language is, uh, acts of service. So, you know, what are, what have you done for me lately? Right. What are you doing to mm -hmm. help out around the house? And, and so it speaks volumes to my wife. If I will load and unload the dishwasher key here without being asked. If she has to ask me, it means nothing to means her. Means nothing, yeah. But if I do it without, uh, just because I saw there was a need, right? Or I did the laundry because I saw there was a need, like that speaks volumes to her. That shows uh, her that, hey, I'm in this with you. You know, even the ugly stuff that no one wants to do, yeah. Uh, the, the chores, I'm in this with you. And if I can do that well, it makes our marriage go a lot more smoothly. <laughs> yeah, and it's it speaks volumes too that you know her love language, right? Oh, how I, many I, how many guys out there know their uh, their girl's love language? You, you what, gotta what, know that. Yeah. You know, do you know your fiance's? Uh, hers is quality time. All she right. made me read the book. Oh, good. Which I'm glad. I'm glad she did because yeah. I would I would have no idea. So there's a book, the five love languages. Yes. There's actually a test online. I think you could yep. take. Mm -hmm. Um, hers is quality time. Um. And then acts of service, I think, or okay. words of affirmation. But did you did you read the book, or yes. how did you figure it out? Absolutely, we read the book and okay. did the online testing. We <laughs> did it all to know what mine were, and mine and hers are very different. And I think that's uh, I told you earlier. The definition of a man, right, is is being what those around you need. Mm. Uh, I love physical touch, words of affirmation. That is not my wife. Yeah. And so I have to try to speak her language so that she does feel loved. And so it's again, it's. It's me being something that maybe is not totally comfortable for me for the benefit of my wife and my marriage, obviously. Yeah. So 
And what about for your kids? Uh, my kids, what do I do for them? Or just who who are you for them that uh, that uh, you're able to serve them? Yeah, my my kids. It's just easy, you know. When you have kids, and you'll experience it hopefully one day. When you have kids, you you love them in a different way than you do your spouse. There's just a type of love that exists you never know about until you have kids, and uh, it just makes you appreciate that. Wow, I've been blessed with these kids. What can I do to help prepare them for life? So, it, so much of it. With my kids, it's the same thing with battle tested. I want to help prepare them for the battles they're going to face in life. They don't always want to hear my stories, but I mm-hmm. try to tell them uh, stories. Uh, they have some favorites, and they say, hey, Dad, tell us that story about X, Y, or Z. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I try to spend a lot of quality time with them and just trying to equip them and build into them so they're prepared for what life is going to throw at them. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, Blake, I want to acknowledge you for being a great man mm-hmm. and Thank a great you, leader um, and someone who walks the talk. Um, your, your big thing about manliness is to step up for the people when they need you. And, uh, that's what you do at work at, at your career and, and with your family. And that's, um, that's what we need in this world. So I want to acknowledge mm. you for being that man. Thank you. And thank you for being that example in my life. Um, I feel like by doing this podcast, I feel like I'm just surrounded by amazing men like yourself and able to see like, okay. There is a right way to do this, you know. I mean, there's no only one way, but right. um, you're a great example of what it is just to be an honorable man and uh, someone who does step up. And uh, I just want to thank you for that. Well, thank it's you. Awesome. Pleasure to be here. Hopefully, yeah. like you said, you're impacting people through the stories that you're sharing, and uh, certainly hope this helps impact someone out there. Yeah, and thank you for sharing your story. Thank you. All right, Blake. Thanks very much. 